0: Even long weekends are short, so why spend a second of this one on a drink run? Instead, get drinks delivered right to your door with Drizzly. Drizzly is the easiest way to find the best prices on beer, wine, and spirits, so you can get back to lighting those totally legal fireworks. Download the app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y ycom today. Because the long weekend will be over before this ad is. Must be 21+, plus. not available in all locations.
1: what's up friends welcome back to another episode of the new evangelicals podcast okay on this episode i interviewed one of my instagram rivals the honest youth pastor and i say he's my rival because he beat me in the christians who curse sometimes instagram award story show we can call it i guess um a couple weeks ago so i'm not that bitter but I am kind of bitter. I came in second, he came in first, and now we are officially rivals. I don't even think that he knows that yet, but if you're listening to this, Michael, now, you know, we are officially at odds with each other. <laughs> um, but if you follow the Honest Youth Pastors Instagram, chances are you've seen some memes on there. And I get a lot of you who send me his memes and say, have you seen this? This is so problematic. And I usually say, yes, I agree. Um, but I wanted to get Michael on just to hear his background, his story, and also for us to engage on these issues. Obviously, we see a lot of these things differently. Um, and it's important, I think, always for new evangelicals that we are always having conversations with people who have different perspectives than us and just trying to better understand the positions and trying to learn what we can and also being able to stand um, from our perspectives uh, perspectives, and defend them. So I hope you all enjoy this podcast. We talk about deconstruction, about progressive um, Christianity, about uh, the Bible, of course, all of the classic stuff. And it was a lot of fun. I appreciate Michael coming on and just really... Um, being honest and truthful and being so uh, cordial and respectful. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. That being said, of course, if you can make sure to like and subscribe and rate this show on either YouTube or on um, Apple Podcasts, that would be a humongous help to us. We are getting ready to announce the next phase of New Evangelicals. So September 1st is kind of a big day for us. There's been a team behind the scenes working to get everything prepared to kind of announce, here's where we're going. Here's how we need to get there. Here's what we need. And I'm I'm looking forward to it because I, I think this is a good direction. It's the at least from from where I'm standing, the natural evolution of New Evangelicals to continue to have these conversations to push the church forward. So stay tuned for that. And of course, if you do want to help out the show, you can uh, click on the link in the show notes and that will bring you to our, pretty much like our, um, our Patreon page. We don't have anything behind a paywall. Everything we do is totally crowdsourced. So if you tap on that, that's where you can give. We appreciate and are grateful for all the people who have given to the New Evangelicals to make all this stuff happen. All right. I think that's all I got for this uh interview or i guess this intro for the interview that's better i hope you enjoy this episode all right we're in progress cool you ready let me get my uh let me get my podcast personality going here just kidding all right here we go michael thank you for joining me it's been for me this has been a long time coming and so i'm looking forward to this conversation um i appreciate you making the time
2: Yep. Well, thanks for having me on um, <laughs> yeah. at this ungodly hour in the morning for you.
1: Well, you know, I didn't want to like start off on a negative foot, but so the record reflects, it's six o'clock in the morning when we're doing this interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm glad that that we're able to make it happen. Um, you know, you have this account, The Honest Youth Pastor, 138,000 followers. I mean, I'm like an Instagram you know, growth level, how did you do that? Were you just posting, were were, were you just that funny and people found you and were like, this guy's hilarious, follow?
2: Uh, I think it's a little bit of everything in regards to, at first, uh, I was... I started the account it's a really yeah. short story, uh, short, I'll shorten it up. But, uh, I had been in transition between churches. I needed a place to vent, uh, Instagram mm. for whatever reason was the place that that became a thing. Mm. Um, and then for probably the first couple of years that was just me doing that and people kind of having similar stories. I mean, a lot like your account in regards to people latch on because of, they see similarities to your story. Sure. Um, and, yeah. um, probably a couple of years into that, um, I, I just started really making more meme sort of con- funny sort of content um, because I kind of worked through a lot of that that the whole account started out as, um, and people latched on obviously just because it was throwaway Christian humor. Uh, how many chairs <laughs> can you lift? I mean, that's all, I mean that's what it was, um, and then I really found that like you know if I'm gonna do this um, and people are going to listen, I mean I should probably should probably say something worth saying um, instead of because I mean there's a thousand. Different Christian meme accounts. I mean, what's 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 the difference, right? What I mean, I can throw this away. I can use it for what I think would be helpful. Yeah. Um, And then I made this shift for uh, really more theological stuff, stuff that really I wish I would have been taught a lot sooner than I was, um, and more conversational stuff um throwing it out there having some conversations in the comments section and then it just through the different ebbs and flows that's why a lot of it's just interesting to see that probably i'd say a good chunk of that 138 they don't even participate anymore they don't even know it's they're not even on instagram anymore <laughs> um, but they're still there because instagram doesn't take a lot of those accounts away so um the number a bit deceiving to be frank it's not those aren't how many people are honestly engaging in the content but um that it's been through a couple ebbs and flows and that's where we're at now which is really more of a um theological uh, teaching theology and having theological conversations via the platform of memes which seems to be for whatever reason how we communicate now as Uh, a civilization
1: yeah i mean and i'm sure you would even agree with me that like getting your theology from Instagram isn't like the best source but it just is what it is people people are on here right I know I know (laughs) it's terrible it is you know Um, I'm kind of curious so you mentioned that you were in between churches and that you were in this account kind of started almost as as like a way to vent Um, I mean you if you're cool with that i'd like to hear a little more about that you know like like mm-hmm. you you left one church or i guess kind of just hanging out and you were just frustrated with however how, i guess however things went down and then you have started that account
2: yeah so um yeah i've told the story a couple times it's not a big deal at all um cool. so basically what happened was um our church the way the denomination i'm a part of works the church has a vote every four years on the pastor And um, the pastor that was there at the time that I had first gotten hired on, and I had been there about, I'd been there three and a half years, Um, then his vote came up, it was a 50-50 vote, um, which the nomination, the way it works, if you get a 50-50 vote, you get, as the pastor, you get to decide if you want to stay or not. Um, for whatever reason, uh, he decided to stay. If it was a fifty-fifty for me, I'm like, all right, I'm out. Obviously, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a good number of people here that don't like me. Right. Um, but he decides to stay. Okay. That lasts maybe a month and a half. Like there's this whole big church politic thing that happens in some of the board elder meetings. He he eventually just he decides to leave. It'd be best to leave. Um, so we go through probably a good couple months without a pastor. We get this other guy. Now the guy we get that the church votes on and yeah. accepts is night and day different than the guy that we had. Okay. Um, you, you go from somebody that was very, uh, point sermon driven to somebody I, I describe it. And this is a very generalized description, but mm. I go from like, uh, if, if you're in a church that has like a MacArthur that goes to a Furtick, like that's the switch. Okay. Um, so obviously there's a big difference in methodology. Yes. Um, so i work with this guy for about a year and a half we try to figure out like all right obviously our methodologies are a lot different we're not doing this the same way right um and then it ends in a pretty bad situation in which mm. um they're like hey we want you to step down. well the board and him we're like hey we want you to step down in children's ministry and we're going to have my son he's going to take over the youth ministry from you And I was like, "Ah, I don't know about that. Now, there's a lot of obviously detail and nuance in there. Uh, There's a lot of, I mean, we've had a conversation since this all happened a couple years ago where I was Uh, like, hey, we were probably both not as mature in this situation Mm. as we should have been. Mm. Um, And it it blows up. Like, it just, I get a text where they're like, okay, that was your last Sunday. Don't come back. And there was no like verbal altercation at the church, nothing like that. It was just that, that was that quick for them. Um, Yeah. And there's still stuff today that I'm like, I hear about that happened behind the scenes that I was unprevening because it just like happened all of a sudden for me. It was that text and then don't come back. i was like, what's going Like there were missing pieces for me that later on I find out about. Right. Um, and so I needed a place to like get that off my chest because I, I didn't want to put all that on my wife um, because she was going through a lot, too. And I was Good like, idea. hey, this is perfect. Let's just, <laughs> let's just vent to the Internet. Totally. I mean, I just need some void to scream into um, yeah. that doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't affect anybody else right? Um, that I can get stuff off my chest and nobody needs to know anything about it. So right. a lot, of, I haven't deleted any of those early memes. The The first memes on there have a lot to do with that. I mean, they're not even memes. They're just, it's just, <laughs> thing. it's not even, it's not funny. It's not productive. It's just, here's the honest, my honest feelings. Right. Um, and so we worked through that uh, for, it was probably about a year where we, Me and my wife processed it different. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, she, yeah. uh, she stayed at home for a long time. Uh, there was a lot of uh, just a, not depression, but a lot of emotions there where I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm free to do whatever I want to do now. So let's go check out other churches. Uh, like a yeah. hobby of mine is how do you how does this church operate? I totally, church get operate? totally get so, um, that.
1: Totally. So
2: we do that for about a year. And, um, then we find, uh, we get invited to uh, a church that somebody that used to go to that same church because the fallout wasn't just us. There were some people that also left that we were very close to and they invite us to this church they're going to now. And we're like, all right, well, I guess why not? We're not going anywhere. Right. Um, so we go down there and honestly, that church is where we still attend. Uh, it's been an incredibly healing experience for us Mm -hmm. in regards to how, um, church really operates as a family how um you know there's there's a dynamic there that's not um top down like you know Mm. i set the vision i do all this this is how we're going to do it in regards to a much more um much more servant leadership approach and uh it's been incredibly healing and so Uh, i think again if you follow if you've been a follower of the counter if you can go back and look through the post you're gonna see the ebbs and flows in that i mean the the, and i try to explain that to people like this page isn't supposed to be the thing that some people make it be (laughs) like this big thing where it's just honestly this is where i'm at right now (laughs) uh in my head and you're just kind of getting the outpouring of that (laughs) um and there's a lot of people i mean and again that's why i try to explain when people get in the dms i'm like look you're taking this way too seriously (laughs) right now right now this is this is what's coming out of my brain right and you're welcome to the conversation or you're not but i'm just telling you this is where i'm at and i'm gonna defend it but you don't have to be on this boat i'm just saying that this is the boat that you chose my wife a lot we joke about it she's like it's like someone comes to your door at your house and walks in and they're like this house is dumb and i'm like i didn't invite you 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 (laughs) came in you can leave if you want like it's not yes you can stay you can leave like you're the one that came in here right
1: right i mean what's coming in and calling me stupid and i didn't even invite you that's a good way of putting it i like that so okay you know it's interesting because you have like a a, you you, you've you had an experience in the church that was hurtful right and maybe even at the time harmful and that's a lot of what people on my account have experienced that's what i've experienced um more recently i'm like you know i'm like this is like we can 11 out from like what happened with me, you know, being asked to essentially either stop serving or stop my account. That was kind of the predicament, you know? And so like my question to you is it's, it's interesting to see, the different results whenever this kind of happens to people. You know, like it sounds like what you're telling me is your church really hurt you and you know um and it wasn't your fault, like you didn't do anything wrong. There was no moral failing. They kick you out and you're like, "Okay, you take a year off and then you find another church and you call it healing. And then I've had other people I've met who are like, I've found out, I've looked for other churches and like, they just keep hurting me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my account, as you all know, is much more of like, we have to reform, we have to rethink, we have to reimagine, you know, we, 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 we have to look at like the evangelical church in the, in the state that it's at and say, we have to change things like, in my view, these are broad strokes. Admittedly, I mean, no, you know, not every single church, but the the culture I found, and I'm in, you know, I'm in New Jersey on the in the Northeast. The culture I found here and I've heard in other places is very much one of like it's a machine, it sucks you in, it spits you out. I've had friends leave ministry burnt out, you know, et cetera. So why your view of, um, you know, I'm not going to say that, that that you don't want things changed. I'm sure you do. But that's certainly not like your rally cry, right, like on social media or it seems like even like in the, in your story. So why not?
2: So one, I want to just make sure I'm really clear. I don't think the church itself didn't hurt me. There okay. were a group of people that mm. um, that did that. Okay. Um, those group of people, by the way, since then, um, some of them I had to reach out to and some of them reached out to me in okay. regards to working through that that forgiveness and working through. Now, we're not best buddies, <laughs> <laughs> right. but right. we have worked through that process of, of, of admitting that there was wrong on both sides of it. So I think okay. that's an important piece. Um, and then as far as the church in general to reform and rethink and do all of that. um, I'm all for that in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And then a lot of ways, no, it really depends on what aspect you're talking about now. So the thing that I think why I would describe it as healing is because the church that I'm a part of now. Yeah. And like I've talked about, um, in, in previous posts, but I know some podcasts that I've done is that it really depends on what church you go into after that. Okay. Um, so I describe it as healing as, like I said, because it's very much more, um, biblically ran in regards to this is a family um this is how we're gonna this is how we see it in scripture and this is how we're gonna do it um and so again like so i I mentioned the pastor is very servant leader like so it's one of those things where it's not like he's dictating down this is the vision this is what we're gonna do but he is what he does come at it with is is if there's ever a situation that comes up in the church how do we deal with it how does the scripture lay out that we deal with this? Because that's how we're going to do it. Hmm. Uh, and We're going to do it with as much grace and as much mercy and as possible. But this is how we're going to do it. And there's been people that have left because of that. But um, but that's how he approaches it. And when they do, there's a, I mean, I, I'm not on staff or anything like that, but I am close to him. And you can tell that there's there's sorrow there when that happens. He did not want that to be the outcome, even though it was. Um, So I think the biggest thing when you're dealing with large, huge churches, I think there is much more this app, um, this 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 sort of leaning for that the structure to have to be more of a corporate idea because of just how large it is, which is why, again, I'm a proponent. And that's why we attend a smaller church, Mm. Um, because there's a lot more there, though there's a lot less um, like big events and like uh, a lot of opportunities. I think it's a much more. Um, biblical way to do it in regards to just structure wise um, working a bunch of so me and my friend rob were talking about this on a podcast we have coming out soon where mm. what we see in the new testament is paul writing to a bunch of local small churches that are all interacting together all operating together um with this this structure now they're all having their own sort of issues and problems, but they're all working through it as individual churches working together in a community, Mm. uh, which we don't see a lot. I mean, admittedly, that's a big problem too, even with small churches of having this, this is our thing mentality and not branching out. Um, So there is some reform for information that can happen there. And I'm all for, you know, just saying that the whole, um, you know, mega church structure is clearly broken in a lot of regards. Mm. Um, But um, that why, why it was healing for me, is because yeah. we didn't go into a structure just like that. It was much more of a family structure. I mean, our church uh, is about 250 people, mm. and um, that is a very workable structure, biblically, I think, to be able to do church discipline well. To, I mean, and we have uh, eight elders plus the pastor. So that that those elders, over 250 people, works out really, really well um, for us. But I think that's why I can call it healing. Right, because it, it's not. I'm going back into a, a structure where, okay, well, this is your this is your small group. This is our life track. This is our da 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 right. da, da 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 da. Right. Um, This is this is this is a family, and that's how we're treating it, uh, and that's how we're going to treat each other. This isn't you know you know you know fill out your welcome card to plug into this ministry. This is your part of this family, mm. and we acknowledge that this is going to be kind of difficult sometimes, and this is going to be you know there's going to be stuff that we got to work through. But again, yeah. we're going to come back to the scripture to do that with. Yeah. Um, And it's not, I don't want to sell it as perfect. It's not, but it's, 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 it's very, it has been for me incredibly healing. And I think when people give up on that, Mm -hmm. they miss out on what the church can be. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as a community following after Christ a redeemed people preaching the message of Jesus Christ to the world. Yeah. Um, And I, I look like, I totally get why there's this, there's this bent to, like be like, well, this is all trash. Just throw it away. Mm. Um, because I'm not. I mean, there, there was a there was a point in my head really shortly after we left that I was like, you know, <laughs> we 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 could probably just read the Bible at home <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, uh, because yeah. these people these these people are like very. This is these people are people. Yeah. yeah. But um, if I would have done that, I would have missed out on a ton of the relationships I have now. A lot of the growth that's happened since then. Sure. Um, and I, I just think that. Sometimes we let people. Again, in my case, it was a group of eight people. If I were to let a group of eight people completely derail what the church could be for me, I think mm. that would have been a foolish decision for me, because I've got 250 people now. That I mean, I'm not close to all of them, obviously. Right. But that are my family.
1: Um, yeah. So. So okay, interesting. Um, that is definitely helpful to understand. I wrote down a few questions as you were kind of talking. You know, I, I think it'd be a, a good place. Well, let me just say one thing in response, and then give you another question. So, you know, I I understand and agree with the the reality that you know no community will ever be perfect. I've been a part of some beautiful ones, and you know, I say on my account on my account a lot that people have to be willing to understand that when you say words like we want community and friendship, you're gonna have people. That aren't gonna rub you the right way always. Like, that's just expected. And we have to be able to work through conflict. Like, we can't avoid it. You know, it's gonna Mm -hmm. happen. Someone's gonna say something that's gonna offend someone. And that's like what real community is, is is when you're able to work through that stuff, right? Not Mm -hmm. when you leave right away because someone said the wrong thing. However, I've also discovered that, you know, a lot of people have stories that, where it's like, whoa, like, yeah, that was really bad, what happened to you. You know, whether it's like leader abuse or whatever it is. And so I think for a lot of people like myself, and maybe we're not that clear on social media because it's social media, but when we say like reform You know, I think there's a difference between the community and like the heartbeat of the church and its mission versus like the institution and the systems that we've kind of concocted in 2021 that we call, you know, the church. Um, And I think that 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 those two things are are separate. And so a lot of us, myself included, are like, hmm. You know, a lot of these systems that we've kind of created, I'm not sure if like they're really doing the. I'm not sure if they're helping to accomplish the main purpose of church, but. I do think that you and I might see the main purpose differently, which is I'm curious to kind of get into because you know you mentioned of course the classic word biblical, right? I mean that is like, you know, we yeah. we, we we all say that, right? And so for you, like when when you say biblical church, what do you mean because I think about like, well, in acts they had all things in common and sounded like a little a little commune almost, you know, like like is that our church model? And I, and from what I what I know about even Paul's outline, it's pretty vague as far as like the actual you know, like a format and like what that looks like. And I think that's one reason why the church has been able to flourish over the course of human history, right? Because it can adapt to different cultures and it can, you know, one church in, 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 you know, the 1800s might look different than what it is now. So, you know, for you, like, like what are, what, what makes a church biblical versus not biblical? So,
2: um, there's a lot there. So stop me if I go off track a little bit. Yeah, sure. But, um, I think what I'm talking about when I say biblical is – so, I mean, going back to they had all things in common. Obviously, the idea here is that they're pursuing the same goal. They're not going to obviously all um, they have that. I mean, there's a reason that there was eldership set up and then there's deacons set up because there's a, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of family-oriented you know, things that have to be dealt with there. So all things in common, I think, understood within the early church and this whole idea of family and meeting together daily and breaking bread and all that is this understanding that like we're going to have differences, but at the end of the day, we still know we're family and we're still pursuing the same thing. Yeah. Now, when I say biblical, what I mean by that is that, yeah, there are some things that Paul seems to leave very open in regards to how you do certain things. But at the end of the day, there is also this very... Um, you know, a, a short list of very structured things that, you know, that need to happen though. Right. So there's some, you know, base things as far as, um, you know, who is Jesus? What does that look like for him to, uh, to, to interact us, to interact with the reality of who he is and what he's done and what that looks like in a person's life in regards to them being changed. Um, and then that pursuit of telling other people about that and living that out within a community together, um and then when sin does come up and when you know things happen how do we deal with that so church discipline um uh that's a big thing that I think is just not looked at a lot. Qualifications for leaders. You talked about elder abuse, right? So um what are the qualifications for elders? And again, there's gonna be differences in that, but um yeah. I, I think the idea here is this is why we have I some people see denominations as this horrible bad thing. Um, I don't because I think as long as within the denominations you have the graciousness toward other believers, saying, like, okay, there's a reason we have our denomination because we believe that this is how scripture dictates these things. You obviously see the secondary issue differently, but that's why we're, that's why we're doing this thing because apparently that secondary issue is a big enough issue to where we can't have community together, which I think, I mean, a lot of that can be worked out as well in a whole different conversation. But sure. Um, I, when I mean biblical, that's what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain things that are base, clearly that are base that Paul, when he writes his epistles or when even James or Jude, right? There, there's are base things that believers follow out together. Um, and when you go off track with those, there are certain actions that happened as far as you know lovingly working each other either back on track or church discipline in which you separate for a time Mm -hmm. um and the idea is again all of that is done when we see it in scripture and we don't nobody does it well i'm sure even in the early church it was done poorly which is why they had to which is why we have those epistles right um they, they didn't do it perfect either right i think we have this magical idea of the early church being this you know oh this is our goal well actually like i think we this is achievable now it's just that we have this idea of this like picturesque time where everyone was kumbaya. Totally. You know, obviously that's not clear in, in scripture. It's clear that, I mean, what you think Paul's writing to the Galatians because everybody's kumbaya. <laughs> obviously they're not. <laughs> right. So, um, right. I think if we, we, we get rid of this whole, Oh, well, this is what we need to work toward. Well, look, I mean, there, there are clear things and there's, there's space for graciousness in the in some of the other things, But there is this base as far as how to be biblical to say, okay, well, we have a really clear line of what we should be pursuing, I think. Uh, We have a clear line of what we should do lovingly and mercifully, whenever that line is, you know, whenever we go in the ditch on either side of the road there. And um, we treat it as family and not as a corporation, because clearly in the New Testament, it is this idea of a familiar family working together um, with pursuit toward Uh, who Jesus is and what he's done in people's lives
1: yeah well and that's kind of one of my beefs with like the current model is that I don't think it is family oriented I think it's event oriented and I talk about this a lot I'm sure you've heard me talk about it you know but like that's what you know it's funny because you and I I, I would agree with a lot of what you said. Like, yeah, like we have to, you know, it is a family. It is a, a little community, you know, like like designed to meet the needs of each other and designed to be um, uh, an entity that is loving their neighbor well, you know, all those things. Um, and I would say, yeah, I agree, which is exactly why I have the account that I have, you know, and exactly why I'm so passionate about this, because, you know, I think the average, American evangelical church on average, you know, they're the most of the time resources thought process goes towards Sunday morning. And, you know, a lot of like the more communal aspects where you actually have interaction with other humans about these topics, right? The, I call them like real friendships, not just, Oh, Hey Bob, good to see you. You know, those things tend to really suffer. Um, and then once you, you know, once that, once there's a problem and someone leaves the church if it's not if, if you know for whatever reason let's say it's it's not it's not a discipline issue you know that friendship usually dies off because what was holding them together you know are, are is either volunteering around the ministry or s- seeing them on Sunday morning and just sitting down and you know receiving some kind of event so that's what i am kind of getting at is like i'm with you but i don't think the evangelical church does that well i think that we're really sold out to like this Event model, including even things that we see clearly, like you know when we're gathering, participate in the Eucharist. The Evangelical Church does not handle Eucharist well at all. It, it's a very individual little wafer and non-alcoholic beverage, and you take or thirty seconds Sprite,
2: during, right. During, Ex- yeah, during the right? Yeah, whatever. Right,
1: exactly. You know, and, and you 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 pray a little individual prayer, and uh, you 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 throw it back in the end. It's like that is not like a, a dare I say biblical outline for mm-hmm. Eucharist. You know, so I'm just kind of I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on that.
2: So I think two things here that we would probably differ on if I had to guess, yeah. and I might be missing a couple of two. The first would be probably different church experiences as regards to size. Um, I've had two that I can think of that were fairly large churches that I attended. And by large churches, I mean, 2000 plus. Um, and obviously that's a whole different feel. And there is a feel in that regard that I this is why I gravitate toward smaller churches because I think it is a more biblical model. I'm not saying mega churches are unbiblical. I'm just saying that there's, there's a lot of, if it's not handled well, there's a lot of balls that can be dropped and things that can happen that, that are, that can cause a lot of issues um, that have ripple effects that I think we're seeing now, to be honest with you. Um, And then two, I think the difference would be like core doctrinal stuff. Um, that's a big thing, I think too, as far as between large churches, small churches, um, that, 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 so for example, if somebody, you know, gets church discipline over a core doctrinal issue that they don't think is important that the church does, that can cause some issues as well. Um, as far as break between the church. So I think that's the two biggest things. Um, I would agree. And I don't know if I've ever said that, Otherwise, but the the mega church model, I'd say, is just not healthy at all. um I, I would tell somebody to go to a smaller church. I'm talking 500 under um every day of the week. Now, again, with those, you're going to have to watch out because you know sometimes those can be very clickish. So, I mean, you're having the da- you're having a uh, damage on either side of it. But you have to. Here's my thing: whenever you're a part of a, a church, you're you're starting to go to a church. You're going to have to use discernment and wisdom in that sure so when we were between churches and i told you that i went and visited a, to, I think i visited eight and there were a couple that i walked in as soon as i walked in i was like nope would not come here um because it was very clear that it was cliquish it was very clear that it wasn't ran in a biblical manner um in regards to just how the just the sermon they gave was clear an implication that they didn't take scripture seriously um and so you just have to use discernment in that. And again, when you're, when you're in that place of being hurt, when you're in that place of being really kind of, you know, just have a distaste in your mouth for church in general, that can be hard to have that discernment, which is why I encourage people that if you are hurt, like we took a year off. And right. the thing is with that, luckily we had people in our lives that pulled us back in, that invited us back. Some people don't have that, um, yeah, which is, just, which is bad. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where, if you do take, I would encourage anybody to take some time off. Obviously, it's going to be different from everybody. Sure. But the idea is, when you do, don't neglect on prayer and Bible reading and having those discussions with people that you you know good you know, you know what do you think about this scripture? What is it, you know I mean just these good Bible studies sort of questions because I've seen people a number of people that I I love dearly that I grew up with that did take that route. They said, well, these people are dumb, forget it. And then they just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, I, I went off on a tangent, I think there a little bit, but
1: no, you're good. I mean, it's for the record, the churches I've been in were no bigger than 650, just so you know where I'm coming from. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I think that we definitely have some, uh, well, I know we do. We definitely have different, you know, theological perspectives on, on the Bible and on the Christian, on the Christian faith. Um, So let's kind of get into that while we have some time here. So I'm kind of curious to pick your brain. You know, you you use the term biblical, what you think is scriptural, et cetera. You know, give me your view of the Bible. Like, like for you, is the Bible um, objective truth? And we just have to figure that out. And one day, if we all find the same objective truth, you know, denominations won't exist anymore. Like, like how does the Bible work for you? Because I, I hear that term a lot, and I'm not I'm not necessarily putting you in this category, but I hear that term of like, oh, it, it, is it scriptural? Is it biblical? From like the more you know conservative, you know, uh, reform kind of crowd. I I grew up in that crowd. I grew up in that Mm -hmm. world my whole life. So I know it well. I understand what they're saying. But at this point, I'm pretty convinced that, like, this idea that, okay, there is one way to see the Bible and any other way is just not accurate and not biblical, not only does it match up with reality, you know, hence the, the whole denomination discussion, but also is pretty. I'm going to say unintentionally arrogant to assume that somehow we figured out what a 2,000-year-old ancient book that God has spoken through says now in 2021 through our Western lens. Like To me, it's like that's too many layers removed to be able to say, oh, yeah, I figured out the true intention of the author here. It's like, uh, that's a big statement. So what are your thoughts on the Bible, on that term, et cetera? So I'm going to say a,
2: a couple of terms here that there's no way we're going to be able to fully work out on okay. this podcast. But <laughs> I do enough. believe the Bible is inspired and inerrant. Okay. Now, there's a whole ton behind that. Yeah, that yeah. Obviously, um, you and I both know that it could be a days long conversation there. But all that being said is that I don't find it to be. I mean, I have some friends, for example, that would be like, well, it's a pretty good guide. But, um, I don't think, you know, God's going to hold me to, uh, you know, the guidelines that he, that are laid out here because the, the, the phrase they use a lot is that, um, it was the, the author at the time's best understanding of what God was doing in their time. Mm-hmm. And, um, they use that phrase a lot. So hmm. uh, that's not what I hold, um, uh, at all, but I do think, and this is where, um, I think what really drove me, I talk a lot about, um, which is maybe how you, I don't know how you came across the page, but uh, a lot of people come to this page because of, I talk about, you know, context is key. Understanding the the background is key. Understanding the culture is key. Uh, What really pushed me into that, to be honest, was when I had that pastor that, you know, when we had that switch and he was, it was very much like a, five ways for a better you, uh, sort of sermon idea that I was like, okay, well, that's not what the text is saying. And I really had to, I mean, I'd been to Bible college and all of that. and We had talked about it, but I hadn't really been forced to like really dig into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that I think a hundred percent that you, you have to see through the context, through the culture, through the lenses that are happening. You also have to understand is it, is it, is it an epistle? Is it a narrative? Is it a poem? Is it an allegory? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things there that you have to take into account Now, I hold those things in tension to where I can say that there's a lot here that has been handed down throughout church history that I don't think changes based on um, a modern lens. Um, There's some things that are some truths that we find in Scripture that are are true and always are true. Hmm. Um, So I don't hold to a you read... uh, you read Psalms just like you would read, you know, James, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I, right. I don't, I think that's an overgeneralized assumption for a lot of people, even a lot of people that I, that I would disagree with that, that are like super fundamentalist um, don't read it that way either. I, I there's, I can name on a hand, how many people that I've met that read it like a literal thing like that. Now, obviously more people have, you know, met more than five people, but me, I've met five people that read it like that. Most people understand that you have to read it now, now the ins and outs of that and actually looking, you know, at the, what was happening at the same time in history. A lot of people don't get into that much detail, but um, I think those things are incredibly important as well. But at the end of the day, I think those things can be held in tension for me, that it's God's word that he spoke through people, um, that we can, we rely on. It can be, it is the standard. It is the base. Um, that we we base everything else on, so when I say biblical that 's what I mean mm. that for example, whenever we we see um, the early church being built they're they're using foundational truths that they've they've found in the words of Jesus as well as uh, what God has revealed in the old testament and they're they're saying that these are foundational truths that are worth worth pursuing and building this thing on
1: um, yeah i mean i i, I I agree with a good amount of that. I think, though, that, you know, just like how you said earlier, like, we kind of um, maybe romanticize, you know, the early church. I think we kind of overstate our case of, like, there are there's like a bunch of key like orthodox positions. I mean, there are definitely a few. I mean, the resurrection is a huge one, you know, but even then, there are some that would, that have identified throughout Christian history as Christian who didn't affirm that. I'm not saying they were welcome. I'm just saying like, like that term has been used, even though that's obviously a very minority group. But I mean, when, when I think about some of the big ones that I was taught, all right, and that a lot of people were taught, um, like, hey, hell is eternal conscious torment, like guaranteed, you know, um, creationism, stuff like that. Um, and, and, and even things like, Like, this is how we view, you know, whatever else it could be. This is how we view Noah. This is how we view Jonah. You know, there's been, like, a lot of... Different church fathers with different perspectives on those issues. I mean, we can look back and see like hell has been widely debated in Christian circles. How we love culture has been dis- depending on on the person has been de- discussed and debated throughout culture. Um, the societal implications for the gospel um, has been um, expressed differently. Even as soon as the 1800s, with the actual evangelical foundation, the Wesleyan movement that essentially were they were they, they, they were the crazy radicals, right? They wanted slavery abolished like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, against the judgment of the majority of Christians in that time. Um, you know, and for them, it was a combination of being pious plus, you know, like societal reform. Um, and so I think that like we have to be able to realize that even how we view, even even the Trinity how, how that is expressed you know Eastern Orthodox versus the Catholic versus like the Protestant there's some nuance there and so I just think that you know one of my I think disagreements sometimes like, like with some memes that that you post and like your description is I think like well. Is it that black and white? Like, can we trace, like, from day one, you know, from Paul to now? Like, oh, this has never been up for debate, or never been expressed, or thought about differently. I don't know if that's like fully the case.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So, I think with that, what what we see in regards to debating core doctrinal beliefs, yeah, um, or even secondary ones, sure, is that the church in general, and again, I think a lot of this is. I mean, you, a variety of reasons. This is the thing, but yeah. um, that we we haven't trained people well. We've we've expected that the pastors um, have a good idea of church history and that they, yeah. they are going to communicate that well. So, as far as um, you know, so as far as the councils, as far as the creeds, um, right. all of those things. Um, I mean, yeah. I know right now on the internet, heresy is thrown around like you know it's just <laughs> a, another word. But the <laughs> yeah. idea is that that like that that holds a lot of weight especially in 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 the early forms of the church in regards to especially around the councils and things like that because what's happening is at the councils again a lot of people it's it's so surprising to me how many and i'm not like an expert on it but right how many people don't know that okay the reason this is heresy is because it's such and such a council somebody was like no i think this and somebody's like no i think this and then they poured over scripture um, fought with each other. A lot of voices were raised, and they came to the, con- the census as people that um you know, according to scripture, this is this is what we see is true, and this is what we don't see is true, and this is why, for example, we have uh, the core doctrinal belief that Jesus was fully fully God and fully human because somebody like came to blows on it. And um, that's, what the, that's what the church leaders decided as they poured over scripture, because somebody brought it up and they were like, well, I don't think so according to this. And then they had a discussion about it. Uh, now, again, if you're not cognizant of that, that that happened, I can definitely see why people would come to it and be like, well, okay, this, <laughs> this is shaky ground. Like I've believed this and it's because people fought about it. I, I think there's, again, a great disservice that's been done with passing down church history so when you when you get waylaid with all that at once mm. um there's a lot of doubt that comes now because now you're going well these are people they're like in some cases they literally fist fought each other
1: <laughs> so right, you're right you're
2: going you're going well <laughs> this is how we decided this like i remember in college when i found out that um the trinity was decided on a vote And the reason that went one way or the other is because one guy fell off his horse and broke his neck on the way to the council. Like, and you're going that. And I remember my professor specifically, he was like, so you can do one of two things with that. You can say that God's providence was that while that man was coming, God knew, I mean, he wanted it to go one way and the dude fell off the horse and broke his neck. Or you can go, we're going to roll the dice on it. and happen by chance. And he goes, you have to make that call. Like, intellectually you have to you have to land somewhere and say is god working through men to bring forth his ultimate goal of giving us uh truth or is it all happenstance and guessing and fistfights and um i I think when you get hit with all that at once i think that uh, the I can only speak for myself. A lot of the reasons that the friends that I do have have gone through a significant deconstruction is because we, we weren't taught that. And how you receive that information... Uh, really dictates and your personality as well, but dictates, you know, kind of what direction you go with that. If you get grown up and you literally, well, I don't know if anybody got told the Bible got dropped out of the sky, but if you have that implication
1: though, right? Yeah. If if
2: you have that perception right, and then you grow up with that perception, now you go to college and somebody says, well, here are all the councils and people like, you know, fought each other. And you go, okay, well, this is stupid. And there's been some people that I know they're like, well, clearly this isn't true then. And well, they walk away. So, and again, that's that's a huge oversimplification. No, of it, for sure. But for that's sure. the
1: outcome. So. Uh, you're, you're 100% correct, first off. And I don't even think that is an oversimplification because I'm one of those people, like, grew up in church my whole life. Every Sunday was there. Then you start reading scholarly work and you're like wait the bible wasn't just dropped out of the sky like you're right no pastor ever said that that way but they said it in their own language does that make sense you know like they, yeah. they imply that in their own way so i have a couple of questions about this because okay the whole council idea like you said someone broke his neck on the way there etc um okay two questions number one are the councils as inspired as the biblical authors, meaning how God worked through them, God worked through the council, so they are also inerrant and final? And number two, what? why can't people continue that tradition of councils that continue to reform you know um church interpretation now now and i think one reason why no is because there's so many denominations and no one would ever agree i mean that that's that, that's one easy way but let's assume that, that 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 this whole council thing was still you know one way of doing this why can't god work through people here and now because i think it's easy to look back in history and be like oh god was clearly working like martin luther right oh clearly god was working even though martin luther was deemed a heretic by by his own popular church at the day he was not popular mm-hmm. until it really exploded you know why 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 can't god work 500 years later that way like why can't god you know working these councils and why can't we come together and say actually we think as we continue to discover better scholarship uh better we we we, we have more uh, fragments now than we ever had before right why can't we use that information to now i'm not going to say reinterpret everything but like to to re maybe rethink how we viewed things in the past compared to now So for the first one, um, I
2: I think that it really depends on how you approach the council idea. So no, the councils aren't infallible in error, but so it it depends on if you're saying what, what are they doing? So Mm. the idea here is that the only reason that they were occurring, well, not the only reason, but so in some instances, for example, Constantine just wanted a unified, (laughs) a unified church. So that's why he brought some of them together. But in, in, in many regards, the councils are had because questions come up and they need to say, okay, what does the scripture say on this then? Mm -hmm. So it's not that they are, they're like, all right, we're going to form some doctrine here. It's because there's confusion on doctrine and they want unity in it. Right. So um, that I think is still happening, Uh, not in the form of councils, but there are still ideas being brought forth and people are saying, no, this is what scripture says. And anything outside of that, is heresy or teaches against it. So I think in a, in a, in a very micro way, that's still going on. It's just that on, depending on what side you fall on, you like it or you don't. So um, that's still occurring because I mean, even the councils, that was the whole, that was the whole concept of, okay, let's clarify, let's, let's have a clarified statement then on what scripture says on this. Cause this guy over here says this, and this guy over here says this. So let's go to scripture and figure it out. So I think it's how you come at it. Are the councils saying, okay, this is, you know, we're an errant. We, this is what we say goes. Um, I don't think that that those are intent. Their intent was as far as I can best read them was that they were coming together to say, okay, there's confusion here and we want unity. So what does scripture say on this? And when we come to this conclusion, there's obviously going to be those that fall outside of what we believe scripture says now and what, and what people do now, again, the argument could be made. That's simply a majority versus minority, and that's what decided it all i I, I choose to go with that God's working through people in time in order to bring forth his truth um and I understand that you know people there's gonna be disagreement there uh as far as keep on doing that I think we are still doing that um I think that there's a lot of issues that we're still doing that on that um uh, now again whereas the church early church councils had a much broader broader effect in how it affected all of Christendom, obviously that is much more of a denominational stance now. So one denomination has their general conference decide something. And now that just, it's a micro council is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, and now it just affects that denomination. Right. Um, so you're still seeing it. It's just in, in a lot more broken ways. And, and to be frank with you, I don't think there's until Jesus comes back, I don't think there's, there's not going to be a fix to that uh, because yeah, it, so yeah. divided at this point but um yeah but i think that that's the whole point of the councils was to say this is what scripture says uh and if you fall outside of that then this is what we declare as heresy is this teaching that goes against the word and again a lot of those guys like i think we have to understand when we look at history they were like all right fine this is what i believe and my followers do too and then they went off on their own thing uh it's not like it goes away because it's called heresy it's just now that the church by and large says okay that's not a church teaching and then this person goes off and does their own thing anyway but now at least there's clear distinctions of 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 belief and that that was the whole point is to to make clear lines of what maybe might be a little confusing even at it's not like it made every nobody sung kumbaya at the end it was just yeah it was just this idea that okay this is what this is what the church believes um And then you start do seeing fragmentation after the councils because those people, just because they're declared heretics, doesn't mean, they stopped, they just went somewhere else and did it. Um, And they had a lot of, I forget which council it was. Um, I think it was the one on Jesus being fully God and fully man, but uh, they declared it that God was fully God and fully man. And then it was still like 50 to a hundred years that the churches in the region were still like struggling with that and trying to figure that out. And, it was like it's it wasn't an immediate thing where they're like all right gavel hit now you'll have to believe this um like there's there is a lot of working out of that because we as humans are complicated (laughs) yeah no no doubt i mean that
0: even long weekends are short, so why spend a second of this one on a drink run? Instead, get drinks delivered right to your door with Drizzly. Drizzly is the easiest way to find the best prices on beer, wine, and spirits, so you can get back to lighting those totally legal fireworks. Download the app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L Y.com today. Because the long weekend will be over before this ad is. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations.
1: That's definitely helpful, and I would agree. Like, I think that you know that that still happens now in its own micro way, and I think that's one of the big um, divides we're seeing now is that there are, uh, to, to put it polarizingly, and to put it in the, you know broad terms, there are kind of like two groups that I think are, are kind of saying, "Hey, the Bible or whatever it is, the Christian faith or being a Jesus Jesus person." I think really means this and the people are like no and they're like yes you know and we have this this huge thing and this is nothing new in the protestant tradition I mean since day one oh, no. Luther's wingley Calvin they've all been fighting I mean even our own our own founders right and I I think that's why I'm more comfortable now and why I tend not to use the heretic word super often because it's like, well, you know, like this is a, we're we're swimming in some pretty deep and wide waters here. Like we really are, especially around things that I think our church today sees as like non-negotiable that I think are absolutely um, negotiable in terms of like social justice. Like there are people who are like, oh no, not compatible at all, totally evil. And I'm like, "Um, have you read like the early church? I mean, and they're like push for the poor and demands for abolition of slavery like for societal change like you know, yesterday, it's there. It's not like this is out of the blue. So let's, but while we have a few more minutes, let's dig into this. You know, I'm curious to get, you know, what is your beef with deconstruction? What's your beef with the progressive movement? And I gotta give you credit because- even though sometimes you drop memes that drive me up a wall, you do you do drop memes also that I think do critique, um, you know, Christian nationalism and and that issue. And I appreciate that. I think you know you're obviously more conservative than me theologically and and you know personally. But the reality that that you also see this issue happening does give me some hope because to me it's like so clear how QAnon conspiracies, Christian nationalism is actually not only in the church, it's supported by the church, and it's very clear that things like you know critical race theory, right? It's clearly a war in the church, meaning the church is trying to push it out. Like it's not widely accepted, even though I think it's mischaracterized. So, what is your beef with the deconstruction movement and with with, with like I guess progressive Christianity?
2: So, for me, those are two totally different things as far as categories. Uh, my beef with progressive Christianity, sure, um, we'll go there. by by and large, first is that. Um, Every progressive Christian that I have read, um, at least, um, is as much as they would say, and I I, I believe that they believe that they hold Scripture really highly, Um, but it is always when I get—especially the people I've had conversations with. Now, as far as reading people's books, I can only go so far into their head. Of course. But um, it seems like the two correlate really well as far as who I've talked to and the books. But it ends in a logical, like, the logical end to it that I've seen a couple of times yeah. is that it comes down to basically like a really spiritualized agnosticism, which is, well, you can't, like, there's no way that the Bible is the only way. Like, Buddhism has some stuff in it, Hinduism, I mean, you can add some, other, it basically becomes syncretistic at its logical conclusion. Um, now, again, there's a spectrum there of where people kind of work through progressive Christianity, but the logical conclusion to it is syncretism all every time that I've seen at least. Um, mm. So that's my beef because it's one of those things where um, it starts off with, and I, I honestly, my life could have went one or two directions depending on who was in it at the time. Mm. Uh, and I think I made a meme about it the other day, but you did. Um, I commented. yeah. So <laughs> it was one of those things where um, it really depends on um you know i mean which which direction you go at that point because um the logical into it is just a very spiritualized agnosticism and uh it starts off appealing because it does deal with context and culture and then it takes it to a point to where now that goes over what what we've seen passed down through church history and church tradition um and again, that's a whole argument in itself, right there. Yeah. Um, but um, so that would be my biggest beef with progressive Christianity because it, it, it's like a carrot in which it looks really good, but it just keeps
1: leading you down a path that's that's ultimately unhelpful. Uh, now, where but, that, but sorry, let me interrupt you there. But can't you say the same thing with? With conservatism, that can lead to fundamentalism. Like I can make the point. Like, listen, I've had friends who I veered off with, and their logical conclusion was the Bible is super clear. Everyone's out, I'm in, and you know it's fundamental. Here are the basic truths, and if you disagree, you're just a God hater. So, like, I mean, I think we we could characterize either side of that spectrum and say this is true. But it's we know both of us know that that most people are somewhere on the spectrum. Is is that fair to say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, no. There's 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 you could easily go to again. I, I would just describe it as you could go uh, like a uh, if you're going biblical terms, you could go like a Greek Greek mystic versus a Pharisaical Jew, right? In the right. sense that it's right. yeah, it's it it's not that you don't know the right things. You just obviously don't operate in the right things as far as fair aesthetic goes. It's not that they taught the wrong things. It's just that the way they applied them was terrible. Mm. Um, So yeah, no, it's definitely a thing there, but I think, um, and and that's where, that's why I try as Mm. consistently as possible to call both out. Now, the biggest issue, the reason I, I lean really heavily on progressivism is because that is, I think, the the biggest issue right now mm-hmm. I, I i can have better conversations with a fundamentalist and to try to bring them back to what i would consider more of a, a conservative centrist view of as far as um talking back from the ledge of being a pharisee than i can with um a progressive that is just heading down a path of just off a cliff in my opinion yeah um so I think where that crosses paths with deconstruction though, yeah. mm-hmm. and the, where that kind of crosses over is that when somebody is, and I think everybody at some point in their life deconstructs, it's just depends on the, 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 depth and <laughs> the width of that, and how that happens. Uh, and there's so many factors that play into that, but when you do that, um, where that crosses paths is i think like we talked about with the creeds right as soon as you get hit with all the councils and creeds if that's not buffered a little bit if that's not brought on in a way i mean if you're just hit with it all and you're, you're already deconstructing and you're hit with all that and then you, you you start reading or hear about you know some progressive christians that you're reading like there's just a perfect storm there that can happen to where now it's just like it just leads you into mysticism and spirituality basically um so that that would be my biggest beef is that and again again to be fair on both sides it's really easy to become a fundamentalist real quick too um so i think where the church has dropped its ball on both sides of the issue is that um we're either super quick to be like well this is all like there's no there's no way you can find truth in any of this there's no solid ground anywhere or you can go the other side and just not know about any of the creeds and the councils and assume that the Bible dropped from heaven. And so, I mean, there's, there's danger on both sides. The biggest danger currently, I think, for the church is progressivism. Huh. Um, but again, it's happened from – if we look at history, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can name – so, I mean, you had Spurgeon's downgrade controversy in England. It's the same thing, the, same, the exact same thing we're dealing with now there you had the modernist controversy uh in the early 1900s exact same thing that's happening now uh you have this honestly if you look at if you look at just history about every 50 to 75 years this exact same thing happens yeah Uh, and depending on which way it falls that's the way the church goes for about another 50 years right um
1: and then you we all do it again uh we all fight again right well, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I like to think that these days I'm probably more progressive in my views. I mean, it's no secret. Um, I hold to a resurrection. If it's what? Physical, physical, I don't know, right, shocker. I hold to a very N.T. right approach. I think I'm like the resurrection and stuff, you know. Um, and I don't know, man. Like, you know, what I'm wondering is, I, I think what has happened to a lot of us, I'll use me as an example, is that I was taught my whole life, like, you know, we we need to be truth seekers. We need to be Berean millennials, right? And there's an account even named that, right? And that is like the idea, like we have to search the scriptures and like essentially do our due diligence, right? And so as I've been doing that, as I have been reading the scholarship on it, as I have been reading about, you know, how we got our modern day Bible, how even right now, Uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church and Protestant Church don't have the same Bibles. You know, as you read this stuff, it makes you go, listen, I'm not saying that that objective truth doesn't exist. I think God is ultimately reality and, and objective truth. But we would be very, I think, arrogant to claim that our little slice of the pie really has that corner and these other traditions are just really like they're just so out they're crazy you know how can you have a, a bible that that, that that has more books than we have heretics and i'm like okay you know i just think it's an over like you said it's an oversimplification that doesn't take into into account the diverse rich cultural human experience that lives outside of our 21st century evangelical western bubble that isn't to say that everything that we do is wrong or bad but i think the 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 lens of well we really have it figured out that's where things get dangerous for me because you know this you look at how we even got our bible there we have fragments we have a ton of them it's the most well-sourced you know document in in um, ancient history, we I know that, and and that's why I think we can trust it. But to make it seem like you know this is a direct you know Romans is a direct copy of what Paul wrote down. It's just a one for one. We know is not the case. So while I certainly think that you know God has worked, I also recognize that He's worked through a very very on the surface level looking human and like you know even a little random at times you know experience to give us what we have. And it seems like whenever we start talking about that, not we, you and me, but like we as in my account or me, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're just on a slippery slope. It's like, I'm doing what you taught me. You taught me to look into this stuff and I'm doing it. And I'm finding out that actually this is way more complicated than I was led to believe. You know, even how, you know, the four gospels are really four different accounts that don't even line up factually, but that's okay because that isn't the point. Like Matthew isn't thinking in like a 20, 21st century modernist lens you know he's he, he has a narrative he has an agenda to me that brings the bible to life that brings a rich context and that also makes me rethink how do we apply it and that is the i mean that's the million dollar question you're know, all wrestling through that but i think a lot of us are like we just want a space to be able to say this stuff without being labeled like heretics because <laughs> it's 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 the data it's, it's what we know mm-hmm. so far that could always change
2: yeah so i think my answer to all of that would yeah. be that we we have to um, we have to ask the question of of why. So specifically, if you're talking about the Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant Church, yeah, um, the idea of I mean, I remember the first time that somebody told me, "Oh, yeah, the Catholic Bible has more." I'm like, "What?" I have to look <laughs> it up um, right, exactly. because nobody had told me that before. But I think we have to ask the why. So okay, so wh- how did we get there then? Like, so why aren't those in there? Right, and, and chase that down. Now. Um, And again, I I know, thankfully, I have the hindsight of where – of how my brain works a little bit better now than I did when I was younger. Sure. And um, so – by and large, I kind of have a little bit of way to figure out how my kids think because one of them <laughs> thinks just like me and the other one I don't know yet because he's too little. But okay. the idea is is to be like, all right, so this is how I approached it. I don't want you to go through the same you know, holes and potholes that I did. So because I know how your brain works, then I want to kind of like put things in front of you that are going to help you think through these. So the why part, right? Um, and I think we should do that with all of it. Like, why does why? I mean, again, this goes back to culture and context and all that. Now, right. all that being said, I think that for me, maybe maybe you can tell me if this is maybe a misconstruction of sure, the sure. difference between us. But for me, um, I think we have to land, and I have landed on saying, okay, this right here, this boat that I'm on, yeah, um, I'm confident in this boat. Yeah, uh, I, I've looked at the history of this boat, and I, I'm confident that this boat, this is the boat. Um, yeah, because uh, I mean, again, looking at the history now, I'm talking about core doctrinal issues, but also secondary issues, sure. Um, uh, because there's going to be a point where you have to latch on to something, um, mm. uh, and even if that something is nothing, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the idea is that, I mean, you're floating out there, wh- what are you grabbing on right? Um, and the idea is that, again, not that again, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a weird mutt of a mix between like, uh, like Baptist and Wesleyan, mm. and so I'm just this weird this weird animal out here um wow. but the idea is that i can i, I see truth in, in in how those doctrines have been developed through these denominations and through this line of thought that say okay th- this 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 looks to be incredibly accurate to what we've seen passed down through church history and what scripture says um and looked at the other ones and gone i just don't see that sure. now again um I think what we have to, and some of the issue maybe that me and you would have is that I think that churches have the, again, scriptural right to say, okay, well, this is what this church believes and to either serve here or to be a member here, these are the things you're signing on for. Mm-hmm. And if you don't agree with those things, right, you are more than welcome to come here, but you have to understand that. Um, to serve here or to be a member here, when you when you become a member of a church, you're signing on to I believe this doctrinal statement and what this church teaches. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, right, then then th- that's the line. And it's not uh, my pastor explains it to people like this a lot. It's it's not that you're not welcome here, and it's not that you're not loved, but you have to understand that when you're signing on to this, there's there's like a family. Again, it would go back to this family thing. There's certain rules in this family that if you break there. Uh, just like in any family there's this process of like all right well what do we do with this then because you so for example just to make it a familiar example like if if somebody in my family steals from some other person there's there's something that has to happen there now as Mm -hmm. far as trust as far as what you have access to now as far as you know who you're allowed to be around and there is as far as what you stole even right was it drugs was it was it money was it what was it and it's dealt with by that level. So in a, in, a, in a similar way, the way at least my church operates, and I I, I would hope that most denominations would operate, which is that if you're going to become a part of this family, these are the family rules. And if you're not okay with that, we totally get if you're not okay with that. Secondary issues are incredibly specific on that. Um, but you're, you yeah. obviously can't be a member. So, so I think yeah. that would be the difference. And that that's that's what I mean by... Uh, where there's room to question it, but you, uh, most denominations, for example, you're not going to be on staff if you're questioning the virgin birth or the resurrection or um, if sin is really sin. Right. right. So
1: there's certain lines there. Right. But this is, okay. So, th- and this is my view on that. Number one, I understand that. I, I get it. I've been a part of those churches. I've signed the covenants, you know, so I can serve on the team. I've I read it through. If you sign something, you're saying you agree to it. I, I totally yeah. get that. Um, two things, you know, you mentioned earlier, just how like you know through your studies you, have, you, you you've come to the conclusions that you've come to, and I'm I think that's fine. Like I I need, I need to be clear, if I grew up in an environment that was which I did, which was fundamentalism slash like John MacArthurism kind of combined, you know, if I grew up in that environment and the perspective was, hey Tim. Here's why we believe what we believe. However, be aware that there's a really diverse perspective in the Christian faith on these issues. Now, we have our reasons why we believe this Mm -hmm. is the right way, but be aware that it's bigger. And while, you know, we respect our our family, you know, on other issues here, you know, we land here. That's different than, hey, Tim— if you don't believe this, we're really scared about your soul and you're probably going to lose your faith or end up somewhere outside the Christian faith. Meaning, (laughs) the analogy I use is like, I was taught that the evangelical circle was the whole pie of christian tradition and now i find out that it's really a tiny 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 sliver in a much bigger pie right Mm -hmm. meaning like yeah people can have their convictions I, i totally get that but when they're positioned as this is the word of god this is ultra clear this is black and white if you don't believe this you're out this 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 extreme you know like language of we have the truth you do not or the catholic stone or the eastern orthodox doesn't what, what insert whatever you want there right and i'm, I'm not talking about like you know Resurrection stuff. I'm talking about like things that that really have been debated. But when 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 people start putting the cor- you know their, their flags on these corners, it's like, well, that's no longer an approach of humility with conviction. Like, hey, I'm convinced of my position, but I understand how the Catholic scholars have their views too. Like, they're obviously scholars. Like, they, they spent the time they, mm-hmm. they they have looked at it as well and have come, have come to a different conclusion. So I say that because with your with your example here of you know church as a family, you know. Um, Um, beliefs to me i what i see is the issue is that we have elevated right belief over right action meaning you know that uh, i know churches i'm sure maybe you do too but i know that there are churches where as long as you believe the right things you can kind of have your other personal life that kind of hides your actions okay and if you start you know like for in my in my personal case at my church you know, I signed the covenant, I was opium, I did everything correct, no moral failing. I was just maybe just rethinking some belief things, things that like, you know, were here in my head that had no that had no effect on my morality to the church. Like none, you know, still doing this, still doing that. And they said, "Sorry, because your belief is different. We you you either have to, you know, stop your account or or stop serving." And to me that that, that to me is like bizarre. Like, wait, we're going to like police the right belief. That's what unifies us. To me, that's not what a family's unified over. I mean, my family, yes, you're right. If someone has the action of stealing someone or, or stealing something or hurting someone, that's an action. But if my brother, who's not a Christian, you know, my parents didn't disown him. Like, oh, well, family rules. You have to be a Christian to stay in this family. Like, no, no, you're, you're our son. We love you and we will work with you through this and we're going to love you no matter what. And so that's where I wrestle with is like, the right belief elevation of like okay if you have the right belief you're safe you know it's like but if you and if you start questioning what we deem you shouldn't be able to question you're out that's not to me a family that is more of like you know i don't know a, a, a business i guess i i don't know i'm using off the top of my head but yeah. go ahead so
2: um two things there one i think um it, it, it depends on what belief you're talking about. Okay. I mean, because there's so many there, right? That's there fair. are some that's that fair. are there are some that are worth uh, splitting over, and some that are not worth splitting over. Um, so it would, and that's there's a plethora <laughs> right. there, honestly, to to look at. Um, the second thing would be, I mean, going back to the family example, there are. I'm just thinking my personal family. There have been people that have um, started teaching or believing certain things. Uh, where they're they honestly like in a family gathering right sit down and just throw an idea out right because they're thinking through it right in which case that i mean it's happened maybe a handful of times where later that day or later that week i sit down with my daughter and i'm like all right so what do you think about that like let's talk through that because it was radically so radically different that i felt like i needed to address it right um and it's a matter of again saying okay well this, this is what i pushed for when i was a youth pastor or try to, this is definitely what I push for now as a father, for sure. Mm. It's saying, okay, I want you to think through this. Right, right. right. I I can't make you land on a conclusion. I can definitely explain why I am where I am. Yes. Um, But you need to be able to process through this in a way that says, at least I know what I believe, not what only what I believe, but why I'm there. Yes. Now, in that, and this is why I explain, you know, this is what I say when I preach, this is what I say when I talk to my daughter, sure. is that at the end of the day, there is a right and wrong here. Like, I am just, there. there is where I would say in some instances, when we're going back again to the ex- family example, sure, where I would sure. say that is, that is for me, clearly wrong. Mm. I, and I can back it up with scripture. Right. Um, and... But you have to come to that conclusion. But I want you to, I tell her this all the time, I want you to use your brain. Please right. use
1: your brain. <laughs> right, right? Because
2: there's, I mean, you can fall into either side of being like, well, they said it, so I guess it's true. Mm. And just going with it. But I want you to use your brain. Because if, I, if if somebody says something to you, you don't really believe it unless you can back it up. Mm-hmm. And in, until then, you're just parroting an idea that you assume is good because somebody else said it. And um, not that you're always going to have the answer for it, but for the love of please use your brain right and the idea here is that with with the understanding that you know if you come to a conclusion outside of this parameter i am going to say you're wrong um and nobody's going to. i mean again until (laughs) until jesus comes back who knows you know who knows who's right but um the idea here is that um uh, to hold those things in tension i guess which is again it completely depends on what Thing we're yes. talking about but yes. also that there there's going to be a clear line of in and out here um is and i know people a lot of my progressive friends are like well let's othering well the idea is that there is a line there is an in and out there is a reason that if we're going to go back to the church councils that they said at the end of the day we love you but you're not inside the teaching of orthodox christianity mm-hmm. um to where like they did cut them off from having influence and a voice because they're like, we can't have this going through the church and happening. And I think if we're going to go back to scripture, I mean, outside of the councils, Paul did that all the time. Um, James did that. Jude did that. Um, going through and saying, okay, this is clear Christian teaching. Anything outside of this isn't. Uh, and calling that out. But again, I think you're talking about approach. I think the approach is incredibly important um, I just did a sermon where Paul's—he, it's the Ephesian elders, uh, chapter twenty in Acts, where he says, "I, I admonish you through tears." So it's a totally different thing to admonish someone to prove that you're right versus an admonishing someone through tears, saying that I, 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 I just
1: I want you to see this truth. Um, yeah, but like you kind of said it, earlier, so. you know, like, you know, like, who. I don't want to put it so tritely, but like you said, you, you made the comment of like, well, who knows? So God comes back, almost. You know, like the idea mm-hmm. is like we're doing our best with the information we have to draw conclusions that that we we hope and believe are are somewhere in the realm of truth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that what has happened to a lot of us is that, especially and not that you know we're almost out of time, so we really can't go down this rabbit hole. But just to make the comment, I got all you, day. Oh, <laughs> great. Well then, hey, my kid's still asleep, you know. But my, my you know, when you have an evangelical base that has really enmeshed itself with politics the way that it has uh and you have this like love of of trump and all this other stuff you have to understand how a lot of us don't find other words of how they're standing on truth, like almost laughable sometimes. Like, don't tell me that, you know, you're standing on the truth of God's word and you're pushing QAnon conspiracies from the pulpit, like, cause you are, I mean that you literally are reciting conspiracies and pushing it from the pulpit and then telling me that you're standing on the truth of God's word. Like they these things are not compatible. They're just not, they're, they, they're not in, in sync. And when you also combine that with the real volatile response to anything social justice oriented meaning looking out for the best of a society you know that's what a lot of this comes down to rethinking you know maybe america has room for improvement essentially and you have this evangelical base that says no we're god's chosen country you know like this is this is the way it's supposed to be You know, you can understand how all those elements add up to me not really taking not you Personally, but like, but your position of, well, we have to understand and know God's truth. And this is definitely God's truth. It's like, well, you're so far, though, off on these other topics. Why would I take your view seriously that, oh, you have the corner on God's, on God? The guy who, the person who literally spoke, you know, a trillion galaxies into existence you have his ultimate truth in mind and i am just so far off the mark here for trying to love my neighbor better by advocating for a more just society like wow you're right i'm i'm the crazy one so I, you have to understand like, like the context right when you combine all those ingredients and you stir them up you get people who are like I've given my life to this and all I have to show for it is I prayed a prayer so I don't go to hell and all of my doubts and questions I can't even talk about without, without worried, without being concerned about, about being othered and being kicked out because my beliefs aren't right anymore. So why, why am I even here? So it's Mm -hmm. really, there's a lot there. I know, but it it is very connected. So I think the two things there that I got from that
2: one, um, I think that again, qualifications in scripture are incredibly important and they're there for a reason. Yeah. So when you have pastors that are operating outside of those qualifications, that is a concern. Um, so for example, when they're pushing, I did a sermon review on Greg Locke, right? The whole idea of, of certain things that he said during the one that I did, I only watched one, but um, the idea that there's certain, so dividing the scripture rightly, right? That's pretty clear on what you're supposed to do as a pastor there. Um, as far as, and as well, we also have some very clear, um, uh, descriptions of what we see elders doing in the new Testament that doesn't have anything to do with speaking on government really. Um, and there's a whole conversation had there as well, but I think, <laughs> we, I think topics. what we have is we have, we have qualifications for a purpose and we have a lot of pastors that are not qualified to be in the positions they're in speaking on things that they shouldn't be speaking on. Uh, and using a position for a, uh, what they shouldn't be using it for, um, which is causing a whole bunch of mess, um, all based on the fact that they shouldn't be in there in the first place, but they are. Um, uh, and then the second thing I think is uh, again, what we've already discussed in this podcast, but mm. just a real lack of understanding of theology and the development of what theology is. You have right now, <clears throat> uh, I think you you have the outworkings of, of not teaching theology, you basically have a bunch of kids trying to put together a car and we have no idea what we're doing because no one's ever taught you theology or the history of it. So we're all sitting here going, hold on, there's a, there's these pieces over here. I didn't know about these pieces. Um, And you're you're trying to put something together while you're learning about it. And those two things for me go hand in hand. You have pastors that have been in place um, for a couple decades that really shouldn't have been there in the first place. Don't don't meet the qualifications for that. Um, And because they don't meet the qualifications for that, they're not preaching in a way they should. They're not teaching uh, scripture. They're not uh, explaining doctrine. They're not um, going through the process of actually discipling people. And um, you have an absolute mess now because of that, uh, of this idea of saying, you know, you know, uh, or maybe maybe it's in some regards it's not entirely their fault because they were only taught one way and that's the way they're doing it now. That's what I tend to so, think. So you know. So what you have is the outcropping of again. I mean, I, I for me, these two things can be total held in total tension to where I can say that I a hundred percent believe um, these core doctrines of the faith, for example, are immovable. And if you're outside of that, you're outside of the Christian tradition. Um, but at the same time saying that, like, obviously this other stuff's here and obviously you need to know about it, but these here are the core things that, 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 that hold this whole thing up. Yeah. And, um, so I, uh, the, so for me, those two things can be holding tension, but I think what, yeah. what we're seeing currently yeah, yeah. is especially with the construction, which is, the reason it hits me so hard is because there's, there are people that i know known and love That um, I've seen that effect deeply, and um, I think there's there's healthy ways to deal with it, and then there's 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 some pretty detrimental ways that it can be handled, and but I I don't really I don't blame them because they were handed what they were handed uh, from people that in some cases should have never been in the pulpit in the first place, and um, that this is really just the the outworking of again the logical conclusion of of what happens when, you know, if, if this is all you're handed and you find out there's more, well, there's going to be a mess. I mean, duh. yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's exactly right. And it, it, listen, I'm I'm not one to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm always the victim here. That isn't the point. But what I am saying is like, yes. And I've made this point to my, my followers and on on our zoom groups before. Like, I I don't think my Sunday school teachers were ill intentioned. Okay, I don't think they were like, yeah, I'm just gonna hide this stuff from from, the, from little Tim over here. Right, they were going through a curriculum because they were volunteers. Like they weren't mm-hmm. trained on this stuff, and so I was given what I was given. Uh, and then you know I'm taught certain doctrines. I grew up in a Calvinist you know area, it's a very Calvinist perspective, and you know very absolutism. And this is black. This is white. And then you find people, I always say, you know, like Tim Mackey, Bible Project, you know, who's like a freaking Hebrew scholar who's a great communicator. And he just kind of brings you through, like, let's talk about Genesis and let's see where this sits and let's see what's going on. Let's see how the creation narrative is actually a response to other mythology happening in the context. And you're like, oh, (laughs) oh, okay, this this fits better, you know, as opposed to, yeah, it's literal six days and ignore science. They're all wrong. It's like, uh hmm, okay, I guess I'll do that, you know? And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what if Genesis 1 isn't really referring to a material creation, like John Walton would say, you know, who's a scholar on on Genesis in particular. And it's like, oh, like they're more concerned about like order and how God is ordering things. Like, oh, okay, that that helps me. And so I, I think what I found is that a lot of us, who have grown up in these circles, and you know, like me, there's a lot of us, um, and who are also very committed to Jesus. Like, I never I never rebelled. I was always the kid who wanted more of God. You know, I was at the altar every time. I read the Bible every day. You know, I mean, that that was me. You know, like, I wanted to give my life to this, this Jesus person, you know, who is also God, who, who, you know, was just so, like, beautiful to me. And so we're, we weren't people, in, I know you know this, who were like, you know, oh, we, we hate Christianity. It was, it was a, like you said, it was a cold water shock to find out that some of the theology we were taught um, maybe wasn't like what the Bible was even pointing towards, you know? And, and it's like, okay, well, what else then? can I understand better about the Bible and the narrative happening here that helps things, you know, fit the way, the analogy I use, do you, are you a musician by any chance? Do you use do you music? Do you play anything? I am terrible. No. Great. No, well, this will, this might not be good for you, but it's helpful for people who understand. So I, in worship, you can see the drums behind me. You know, you, when, when you're going to record a song, you, you record a guitar track. Then you have another track. Vocal I understand track tracks. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you might have like 30, 40 tracks on a song or, or more for some of these big ones. And I feel like what I was taught was, I was taught that, okay, Tim, this is the song of the Christian faith. And it was just a bass track. That's all it was. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the Christian faith. It's this bass line. And there are moments where things don't make a whole lot of sense, and there are pauses. And I'm like, okay, I don't know why the bass stopped playing here and picked back up here, but I'll go with it. And then you find out that there are other people like these Tim Mackey's, N.T. rights, and they just start unmuting other tracks like actually there's a guitar track here that goes to that bass track and here's a vocal track and here's this track and you're like oh my god this song is so much bigger and and deeper and more beautiful than i ever ever thought about i never even knew that 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 this instrument existed alongside this other instrument and then they and then these guys start mixing it right so some theologians like a like 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 the bass real in your face and they're okay this is god's wrath we're gonna really elevate it you know and some people are like no 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 Like, like like the harmony here is really important let's elevate that and so it's like a lot of us are just trying to mix A lot of these subjects, they come out in different ways. And that's helped me to kind of have a visual of like what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to unmute all of the tracks in the Bible that that my Western lens just has no categories for. Shame and honor, for example. That doesn't exist in our culture. Shame is always negative. In the Bible, it's not negative, you know? So I thought I'd mute that track and really understand what's going on. And that has helped at least me, you know, really be more committed to Jesus than ever, even though it looks very different than the traditional evangelical American faith I was given.
2: hmm
1: No, I think that's...
2: Um... It's a good example, uh, in regards to getting new information. I, I, the only thing I would add to the example is I think some tracks, there may be some tracks out there that have been mixed and it shouldn't be there. They should be <laughs> muted.
1: What's this uh, kazoo again, doing in here? Get it out. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. It goes back to the, the whole council thing that we were talking about before where that's kind of what they were doing. They're like, all right, yeah, we don't need that. Um, <laughs> right. so it, it so again, I mean all of that kind of really, I think boils down to like what, what, in your example, what tracks you're using and what tracks you're not. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, the example I really like, I think there may be some distinction there between um, <laughs> what tracks we use and what tracks <laughs> we don't. Uh, because, and again, I think that that's what it comes out. I'm all about, and I hope that comes across uh, in some of the stuff I talk about. There, there's a lot of information out there, um, but there's some information that is... Is is truer than other information, and that's 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 the the core of what I'm trying to get people to think about, especially with what I post. Now, again, do I, I post some stuff that's just pretty much it's a hard line? But there's a, there's a hard line for a reason, because I want you to talk about and discuss and think about how you got here. There are definitely people on my page that. Um, that I don't delete comments a lot, but I've deleted a few here recently <laughs> that are, that are just, that are so far the other way yeah. that, uh, uh, the opposite side of progressivism that they're so blind, they can't see their hand in front of their face. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things where like it, there it's a dance here, but um, yeah, my yeah. biggest, I mean, going back to, again, there's a lot of information out there that, some of it, you're not going to be able to take it all in ever. There's so much. Yes. But when you do, there, there, there. I think there is, and again, there will be people that disagree with me here. There is a healthy way to deal with that information, and then there's a not healthy way to deal mm. with that. Um, and again, I know people are going to have different definitions on that. But, sure. Um, sure. There, there's, there's, there's a way to process it in, in light of the fact that God has laid out clear. Um, Ordinances in his word on how he should be followed, what that looks like, um, the implications of, of, of Jesus and everything he did and is doing um, and, and how that works out in a person's life. Um, I think the one thing that I mean, I don't know how much longer you want to go here, but uh, one of the things that the church has done pretty bad is we expect people to be sanctified as soon as they're saved. And so when some of those questions happen or some, you know, some, maybe some things that they're still working through don't happen immediately, they get told that, you know, they're still a sinner and they're not really a Christian. And really it's just the Holy spirit sanctifying them. It just takes a lot longer than it does for some other people. Um, And and that's caused some tension too, I think a little bit, because there are people that have a lot more questioning spirits (laughs) than, than others. Um, And sometimes that's just the Holy spirit working, through the process of sanctification in us
1: to get us to a point to where we can understand it. Um so. well, I also think it too, it depends on like what we mean by that, in the sense of like, you know, church culture has like their do's and don'ts. And some of them like don't make sense to me, right? Like, okay, you're a Christian, you can't like say certain words anymore. But then we look at like Matthew twenty-five, where Jesus is like threatening hell if you don't feed the poor. And it's like, well, that'd be nice, but like, you know, it's not mandatory. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what's interesting to me, is like it's like if you read I know you have, but you know, like you read through the gospels, you read through James, right? True religion, taking care of the orphan and the widow. You can see a clear like a clear like okay there's a theme here even through the torah of how god does not like oppression god does not like when the powerful neglect the needy god does not like when 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 countries or i would say you know maybe nations is a, is a better word for context sake you know neglect the orphan and the poor and and, and, and they line their own pockets you know and it's like the church is like well sanctification is like you know stop smoking you know uh, make sure like you're doing whatever we deem is like you know moral um you know some churches are like what you you know, don't don't watch rated R movies. It's like okay, those aren't bad things to talk about. I'm not saying you sh- you should smoke or or whatever, but I am saying is like. Yeah, like sanctification though looks a lot more, I think, <laughs> towards like loving your fellow man and fighting, you know, against systems of injustice and also individuals as well. It's a both and it's not either or. It's both and I want to be clear on that. And I feel like you know our evangelical church is so individualistic, which is because our culture is so individualistic. It's not because the Bible's individualistic, because it's not. We know it was written in a collectivist society, not an individual one primarily. You know, it's like because we have this hyper individual view of sanctification. It's like, well, as long as like you're just doing like these church culture things that we've kind of like, you know, developed along the way, you're fine. But again, if you're not you know, taking care of the poor, well, that, that, if you do that, you're real noble. You know, like, oh, maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll make the auditorium in your name because you were so altruistic in your thinking. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So I think um, the danger on either side
2: becomes when you automatically like jump to a conclusion on where somebody should be right now. Um, that, that's a danger for everybody. So, for example, I mean, going back to the social justice thing, right? Um, I think the biggest fight right now in the church over that issue is that some people are like, no, you need to be here right now. And some people are like, ah, no, you, no, we're over here. Whereas I think in that conversation, there does. So, I mean, you, you referred to James. I think the church does need to sit down and be like, all right, did we miss the boat on this orphan widow thing? Like, like, what is there anything that we're doing as a local church that even mirrors that even close and if not we need to probably figure that out um and two understanding like with that conclusion that there there, there's a process of working this out in regards to um like how that's implemented i guess would be a better way to say that like what does that look like now there's a way this is the conclusion i've come down to just personally is that there's no way you're going to fix anyone is going to fix the larger church in general it's just not. But what you can do is focus on your local congregation and be like, all right, what are we doing as a local body? Like, what, are, what, what can we do? We're not going right. to fix all of evangelicalism. That's just not going to happen. Mm. But what are we doing as a local body that is fulfilling the gospel mandate that we see? Um, and that's what we need to focus on. Now, I know with accounts like ours, we're speaking to a much more general audience than that. But that's what I would always push it back down to is like, all right, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I understand that Joe over here is doing some screwed up stuff. Great. He's going to keep doing that. He's not going to listen to me or anybody else. So what can I do in my cultural context to say that I'm taking care of the orphan and the widow? Uh, what is the church that I'm attending and a part of doing to do that? Um, and I, th- I think that's where it starts. So, yeah, the church is always going to fight about social justice and it's always going to fight about a a variety of other things. Uh, And those fights are good. I mean, those discussions need to happen. Um, But we can get so caught up, I think, in that big thing that we don't even do it at the local level. Like, like, you need to do this. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then we're not even doing that at a local level.
1: No, I think that's a super fair point. Um, You know, but I do wrestle with like – you know you made a comment of like with, with social justice you know like the society some people are like has to happen now some are like well we'll, we'll kind of get there and i kind of think about like you know slavery i mean that was a big debate some were like no, no no well we can get there over time and some were like no it needs to end immediately because they saw how evil mm-hmm. it was now history looks back and we say thank god for those abolitionists who were like it needs to end you know yesterday and so mm-hmm. i that's what i kind of think about is like, is like what are the things now and this is me personally thinking about this personally for me as well as the church but really for me is like what things are happening that are are such a grave injustice that history would look back and be like, How do these Christians not like demand the end of whatever it is? You know, mm-hmm. and we can insert the blank there. There, there's several big issues on my on my from my perspective. But I do think like the evangelical heritage launched out of you know, this both and approach of like we're committed to Jesus like crazy in theology and in action, therefore, we have to demand that that evil systems that we see. That are happening must end like as soon as possible, and we are going to push individually and for the big, bigger church as a whole. I mean, that's what the Methodist split over was slavery, right? They were mm-hmm. really anti-slavery, and then they kind of crept back in as they got bigger, and then like they—I uh, I forgot the guy's name—I just read about it, but you know, this guy pretty much fractioned off of them because he couldn't convince them, you know. And and this big split happened, but he was that determined to rid the world of slavery in America. Called it, he called it the the, the world's greatest evil in history essentially you know is is our race-based child slavery and we look back now and go thank heavens for that guy. And it turns out the majority who were like, well, we'll kind of get there. We're really like, you know, on the wrong end of that conversation. And so I think it's important that, especially when you look at, like I said, you know, verses that Jesus talks about how we're in danger of real judgment if we're not, you know, advocating and taking care of uh, the, the most vulnerable among us. That is a very, I think, clear mandate from both Jesus himself and from the, you know, the apostles.
2: Well, if you look at abolitionists, that did start at the local level and then go up. So right. I think, I mean, yep. going back, I think everything starts there. Yeah. Um, and then if you're talking about that specific gentleman, um, I think you're always going to have people uh in any every generation there are going to be those that have been burdened in such a way that it's going to be it's going to be it's going to outweigh everyone else's burden on it um in regard for to push for whatever mm-hmm. um sometimes i mean, i think you can look back sometimes those are good things sometimes those aren't so great things mm-hmm. um but there's always going to be a prophetic type of person in regards to that passion for that that drives that forward um and i think that's where the sort of I mean, it's probably I don't't I, I don't know the exact story you're talking about, but I'm sure that the idea of the split over was like like <laughs> him wanting to be everybody as passionate as about it as he was at that time uh, and that that's usually you know those prophetic figures usually do have that sort of that that energy that they want to bring everybody right now um, yeah I think with anything you talk about it's gonna be this slow dirge like even if you want it to be immediate it is the slow dirge over time um to accomplish anything i mean because you have to get people on board people have to think through the process um so and again the application of it right people can i i don't know of anybody that doesn't think that injustice is good it's the application of how you end injustice that is the 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 sticky point and it's not that people aren't aren't pursuing justice in their own regard. It's again, they're doing it through their means of how what that looks like. I don't know anybody that sits back and be like, well, there's injustice. We're just not going to do anything about it. Um, it's just they're pursuing it in a way that's different than maybe somebody else's way. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's not good. Cause sometimes, I mean, admittedly, sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm doing something. And you're like, yeah, you're doing like a 10th of something though. Right, <laughs> right. You're, you're doing it just so you can say you're doing it. Sure. Um, so it, it's this, Again, I think it, it full circle conversation. I think it goes back to um the idea here that we're all like you're asking the why on everything, and then the why then has that outpouring. So your orthodoxy is going to drive your orthopraxy. What you believe is then going to definitely drive what you do. And I think that going back to the pastoral thing, not being qualified, what's been taught, what we've been handed down as far as knowledge or lack thereof. Um, all of that has sort of culminated as it has time before um, in a position now where we all have to be like, oh, wow. Okay. What I believe isn't lining up with what I'm doing or vice versa.
1: And you're trying to figure that out. Right. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. You know, And I think just to, you know, we can really, really come full circle that what you just said about how uh, orthodoxy drives orthopraxy is exactly the reason why millions of us are leaving the evangelical church because their orthodoxy led them to a political advocacy for an, uh, uh, an entire worldview politically that we just find totally, well, in many ways, antithetical to the gospel and to a, a healthy orthodoxy. You know, like, again, how someone, uh, I'm just being frank here, I've, I've said this publicly, how someone can vote for a person who has advocated and, and claimed that they've sexually assaulted women and be like, yeah, that's a good Christian man right there, a good Christian you know option is like, guys, what orthodoxy are we reading? <laughs> you know, like, no, he's not. Now, I understand, you know, the Hillary thing. I all that but 2020 you know i mean i'm just saying like it, it, my 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 point is that people would agree with you and be like that's exactly why you know, I found maybe more mainline Protestant churches. I have a lot of people on my account who are like, yeah, we're Episcopalian or we're Presbyterian or Methodist, whatever it is. And like, we've really enjoyed that, you know? Um, So I I think that is a great way to kind of like just bring things full circle is like, yeah, we, we agree on that. And we yet have very, not very, but I think we, we have different ways, right? That we, that, that we would say that, that, that affects things. Um, Because I'm sure that you can make the point, you know, well, you know, the orthodoxy, more progressive voices leads to also a very weird orthopraxy, you know. And so it's just interesting. It's interesting to see how same idea just applied totally different. um, Well, the the, yeah,
2: no, the engine of your doctrine for that car is is that's going to that that's the difference that you see right now because everybody's operating out of the same system essentially i mean what you believe drives what you do but it's the engine in that car that's driving that down the road totally that is 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 driving the difference because um those core belief systems yeah um are 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 going to always be the sticky point in the uh in in you know what, what some would say you're inside or outside
1: Oh, did I lose you for a second? Now oh, there you are. Are you
0: there? Uh-oh.
1: Don't leave me, Michael. Don't do it. Okay, friends. I don't have Michael yet. Maybe I'll get him back. We had a great conversation, though. We're an hour and a half in. Man, time really flies. Hey, you there? Is it him or is it me? Let me find out. Looks like it's me. Wow. That is annoying. Hey. Hello? Hi. (laughs) You're back. Hi. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I think I might have lost you there uh maybe yeah no we did we definitely froze for a second maybe that's god's providence you know it's just time to wrap this thing up so
2: (laughs) oh i lost you again oh no you're there there now
1: okay um i was just saying maybe it's god's providence that you know it's time to wrap it up
2: gotcha
1: uh well michael i appreciate you coming on making time for real you know we we we, we've bantered a lot in dms and on uh on the comments so it's great to have an actual face-to-face conversation uh where can people find you honest youth pastor anywhere else (laughs) no i'm losing them of course oh boy that'll have
2: the uh hello yeah, there back. you are. I don't know, man. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, Honest uh, Youth Pastor will have all
1: of uh, yeah, that'll get you everywhere you need to go. All cool. right. Cool dude. Well, again, thanks for coming on, and I'm sure we'll we'll do something like something like this again at some point in the future. So, I'm sure I'll talk to you in the comments soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, see ya.